0: good morning everyone and as we continue with our studies into the kingdom of god before we go any further let's just retrace our steps we looked at how god created this perfect kingdom creation and how we put humanity in charge to rule over it but we saw then how our first parents rebelled lost god's blessing god lost god's lost presence within them and how things just seem to fall apart. We followed God's plan to redeem all this through a people group and then through his son, Jesus Christ. Once Jesus was born and ministered on this earth, we saw how there was the clash of the kingdoms, how he entered this present age, ruled by Satan, but he was bringing in his kingdom of, of authority and light and proclaiming a message to to, to invite people into his kingdom. And that ultimately would come through his sacrifice when he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. We listened so much about Jesus's teachings about the kingdom, how it was now, but not yet, and how he preached it through miraculous signs. We listened to uh, how his kingdom is free and yet precious, and how we should count the cost before we enter this kingdom, consider it. We remember the words of Jesus before Pilate who said, My kingdom is not of this world, and how we have been given the the mandate now to proclaim the good news of the gospel that the kingdom of Jesus Christ has arrived, and that we will see uh, his his will come to pass in this present age leading into the age that is to come. More to follow. But now I just want to come to the, the passage of scripture that we looked at today. Uh, and I hope that as we go through these scriptures, if you look at pieces of a jigsaw, that maybe more pieces will click into place for you as you understand the meanings of what Jesus was saying about his, his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Now, the scriptures that have been read to us today are very well known to many of us. But what I want to emphasize to you today is that this was a crucial, pivotal moment in Jesus's ministry. And from this moment on, what we've just read in scripture, from this moment on, everything now changes, and this is what I want to just uh, uh, add pieces to, the, the 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 pieces of the jigsaw to the, the kingdom of heaven in our understanding. But in order for us to understand why Jesus asked that question of his disciples and Peter's response, it will helpful to see the context of what had happened beforehand in order to kind of bring these culmination of events to this point in time. Jesus' own people, the the Jewish people, the people that uh, he was very much part of, Abraham's promise uh, made by God, that his people were waiting for this long-awaited Messiah. The one promised who would come and restore the kingdom, would defeat Israel's enemies and would usher in peace in the age that was, is to come as the Jews understood it. And people were drawn to Jesus because of his miracles, because of his teaching and the authority of his words. But it's fair to say that the people also found Jesus an enigma, a puzzling character, and even his own disciples found him hard to understand on times. And so this is what we want to look at. Well, Jesus was puzzling because he fitted the bill in their minds in terms of his authority and his power to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. But then his teaching about his kingdom, um, God's active rule breaking into this present age, well, his words just didn't match to what their expectations of a king and a kingdom were. Because Jesus, this king, kept emphasizing humility and that the last would be first and that those who are blessed, those who receive the applause of heaven are those who are poor in spirit, those who are weak, those who are merciful, those who are peacemakers, even the persecuted are a part of this kingdom that he's proclaiming. His words to the Jewish people just didn't add up. What is this Messiah talking about, this man talking about? If he's going to be our Messiah, our King, he has authority and yet his words and his kingdom don't match what our expectations are. They wanted the warrior king like David, one who would conquer and go on conquest and rid Israel's of its enemies. The mindset of their kingdom was one who would subdue surrounding enemies and usher in this great period of of age for for Israel itself. And even his disciples, Jesus' disciples, they struggled with that same mindset. Whilst Jesus is talking about humility, they're bickering amongst themselves as to who was the greatest. And some of them were jostling for power as to who had the best, who could have the best seat in the kingdom of God when it came. And then when their egos got the better of them, Jesus would then get a child and get the child to stand in front of them and say, basically, fellas, unless you become like this child, you need to be more like this child and hungry for status and power. My kingdom isn't about those kinds of things. And then finally, one day, all this teaching, all this this dilemma as to the confusingness of what Jesus was saying, to what they wanted, it all came to a head. A flashpoint, a moment of revolution. It occurred when Jesus had just fed thousands of people with a small boy's packed lunch. Parents, next time you make your kids sandwiches for school, remember Jesus used one of those in order to feed thousands of people. But following that miracle, we now go into John's Gospel, and John says this. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, that's feeding the thousands, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into this world now we need to know that from a Moses perspective surely this is a prophet that is coming into this world Jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force he withdrew himself and went to a mountain by himself as far as the people were concerned this was the final straw the multitude said enough is enough This man will be our king, but he will be our king under our making and our desire to have a king and a kingdom. They rejected Jesus' offer of his kingdom and his offer of uh, what what he was providing for them. They wanted a kingdom, all right, but they were going to set it up by power and they would force this man to be their king. They failed to see as many still do today, that Jesus's mission was to enter this present age, this kingdom of darkness and rescue people and bring them from darkness into his marvelous light and kingdom. And that would occur through his sacrificial death, his resurrection, his mastery over death, hell, and the grave. They failed to see that. The Jews didn't want that. And then, sadly, it got worse in many respects. John goes on to say, in the very same chapter, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Wow. Not the twelve, but the, the many that were actually close to him said we're not we, we're, we're, we're leaving. Jesus, we're off. And here are Jesus's words to the twelve. "You do not want to leave me too, do you? You can see this is a crisis moment. But Simon Peter replied, "You can always trust Simon to say something. Peter said, "Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life." We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Read between the lines there what Peter is saying. He's saying, Lord, we don't fully understand all that you're saying about your kingdom but you have the words of life so we're not going anywhere. And then even to make matters further worse in many respects, it appears that soon after, His his many of his followers leaving him, Jesus once again uh, is is criticised and condemned by the Jewish religious leaders. But Matthew simply says that after the final confrontation, or not the, but after this confrontation with the Jewish leaders, Jesus left. He went away rejected. He actually left Israel. He went north towards the land of Syria. And he purposefully goes to a place called Caesarea Philippi. It's a northern remote location and I'm just sensing that Jesus went there to ask this specific question of his disciples. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Again, Read in between the lines there appears to be amongst the 12 who've been asked that question Some kind of shuffling of feet and and kind of looking down at the ground and and maybe clearing of throats And then the replies started to come Some say you're John the Baptist Others say you're Elijah So they recognize something of the fire of Jesus and the power in Jesus like those prophets had But others say you're Jeremiah well, they see the sensitivity and the gentleness of Jesus as Jeremiah uh, uh, exume, uh, existed in his, in his ways. Or one of the other prophets, but Jesus uh, narrows it right down. He says, but what about you? What do you, who do you say that I am? Then came in this unique setting, this unique announcement, And it's at this moment that I just want to freeze frame for a few minutes to understand what is taking place at this pivotal moment in the kingdom of God. Simon Peter says, always trust Simon Peter to say something, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Peter expressed a faith statement way beyond his own understanding. And he had spoken what he had heard heaven Whispering to him that Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is the King, and he is coming in his kingdom. The response from Jesus says it all, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hades will not overcome it i will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven freeze frame freeze frame for a moment this is a profound moment because jesus has just made a significant and monumental announcement he is going to create a new people group, a people group called the church. Paul later would call this a mystery hidden in ages past. But Jesus says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What an announcement. And I guess that Peter and the 11 others were a little bit kind of dumbfounded as to, what exactly is the enormity Of what Jesus has just said. But in order to explain a little deeper, and maybe more pieces of a jigsaw can fit into place, I just want us to look at the moment and the location, the scene in which Jesus chose to ask this question and which Peter was inspired to provide the answer. Why do I want to freeze frame? Because I think Jesus may be be paying particular reference to where they were at the moment, at the time when he made this announcement. I remind you where they were. They were not in Israel. They were in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, I'm about to show you two images and you'll see them now as I continue to speak uh, over on the screen. The first image look at it carefully. This watcher is known as the Gates of Hades. It is a large cave which is located at Caesarea Philippi but it didn't look like that when Jesus was there that time. The second image is a, a representation of what it could have looked like whilst Jesus visited that location and made this announcement. Let me give you the historical perspective, you can see there's now a temple in front of that cave. Let me give you the sp- perspective of what's taking place at this moment, this freeze-frame moment. But down through the millennia, this very place had been a focal point for worship by successive kingdoms, worshipping their gods. In Old Testament times, this Gates of Hades place was where the Syrians worshipped their god Baal. You read about Baal in the Old Testament, an awful lot of how they worshipped, how they sacrificed their children, and how they prostituted themselves in this worship. But the Syrian kingdom was swept aside, and next came the, the, the kingdom of the Greeks, the Greek Empire, and, and Alexander and others that came through there. When the Greek Empire came through, they set up a temple there. And they were the ones who called this place the Gates of Hades. And they worshipped their gods there. And they believed that this was the entrance to Hades, the entrance to, to where the dead would go. The Gates of Hades. And they would worship their gods there. Well, that kingdom was swept away and then the Roman kingdom, the Roman Empire came and set up their temples and worshiped their gods there at this gates of Hades, the place of the dead. And hence the term Caesarea Philippi, named after one of the Caesars. And so, this place is where successive kingdoms worship their gods but those kingdoms have come and gone and no more this was the place where they revered and feared death and so sought to appease their kings their gods but this was the place where jesus chose to ask the question to his men who do you say that I am and following Peter's announcement this is the place where Jesus said I am going to create a new people group this people group called the church and signify in Peter as his name and as the, the leader of this group of men. Jesus is saying Peter I'm going to establish this people group on you, on you group of men and upon you group of men I will build my church and I want to tell you this now in advance Peter that not even death will conquer what I will build when I build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome. Peter that's just a cave I'm going to build something far greater through you men, and it's called the church. You know, Paul confirms this later in his writings to the Ephesian church, Paul says this, that the church is built on the foundations of apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Jesus is going to build his church, beginning with these men, and this church will outlast the even the place of the dead, the gates of Hades, or put it another way, Jesus will conquer death and so his church will be victorious through what he does. Kingdoms at this point, at this place, have come and gone, ebbed and flowed like the tides and kingdoms have worshipped their gods and sought to appease death at this point and they have all failed and they have all gone. But Jesus at this place says, I will build my church. On this rock I will build upon you men and I will give you the keys of the kingdom in order to help you build. Jesus will defeat death, hell and the grave and he will make this church a new people group for every tribe and kindred and nation and people because Jesus broke into this present age announcing his kingdom and saying that the age is yet to come when I will rule and reign forever and ever. But it isn't finished here. Just let me, a few more moments please, friends. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, when you think of keys, what do you think of? Next time you look at your car keys or your bunch of keys, what, what do you think of? When we think of keys, we think of ownership because we secure things that are valuable to us. Our homes, our cars. We think of that, that's what our keys are for. Or, we think of keys as a a means of access so that we can get into our office at work. We can open our locker at work. So, we think of keys as ownership or access. But, in Hebrew thought, keys has a totally different meaning keys has the meaning of authority authority one has the the, the authority to open and close keys are as a term of authority many 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 years ago i was the custody officer at cardiff central police station and if you want to see a key I held the key, I held the keys of authority. No one came in and no one went out under my apart from my authority. That is what Jesus is talking about, not ownership, not access into your locker. He's talking about authority. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, "Men, I'm going to build a church through you, and you will know my my help and my authority and as you go forward in building this church i will give you the keys of the kingdom i will partner you i will lead you i will build and you will come with me in this in this journey in this adventure of the kingdom i repeat this is a profound moment at a place where successive kingdoms worship their gods and sought to appease death jesus the true God, the Son of the Living God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, says he will build a new community and the keys of the kingdom will be given to those men in order to serve the Lord. So much more could be said on that friends and my time is is nearly gone. My time is nearly gone. Jesus has authority over death, hell and the grave because the final piece of the jigsaw he gives the keys to his men to build the church his authority but some 50 years from this moment at Caesarea Philippi Jesus will again be seen by a very very old man one of those same men John on Patmos and Jesus says to John do not be afraid John i am the first and the last i am the living one i was dead and now look i am alive forevermore and i hold the keys of death and hades in other words jesus is saying again i have authority over death and hades john jesus authority is over death and hades not a cave over there with a hole in it but over death itself. Jesus defeated death by allowing himself to be subjected to it, but death had no power over him, so he now has full authority over death, hell, and the grave. He invaded this present age. The kingdoms clashed. He gave his life as that great sacrifice. He rose victorious over death, and he is coming back one day to, in the age to come and he will bring his kingdom with him and we the church because we are part of what he has done by god's grace we will enter into that kingdom so much more could be said but my time is well well gone and to conclude my thoughts my words i just want to focus on one thing one thing my time has gone for everything else one thing I simply say to you the words of Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? I I I look beyond the camera to you, listener. Who do you say that Jesus is? It's not important what society says, or social media says, or celebrities say, or friends say the burning question at this moment in time is who do you say that he is to quote c.s lewis and you've heard this before he's either a liar or a deluded sensation seeker or he is God. well if he is a liar he died the worst most terrifying death to maintain a lie nobody does that if he is deluded He managed to fulfil all the prophetic predictions about what the Messiah would be, even before his birth. He couldn't do that. So that leaves the final option. He is who Peter said he is. You are the son of the living God and it is your kingdom and it is your rule and it is your reign that we are experiencing right now. So. Who do you say that he is? I'm trying to think of a more important question, but I can't really. This may be the most important question you've ever been asked in your life. Listen. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Because this will determine your eternal destiny. But I invite you to acknowledge that he is Saviour and Lord. Come to him, call upon him, accept him, ask for sins to be forgiven, and he will take you out of this present age of darkness and bring you into his kingdom of light, and you will be in his kingdom forever. Who do men say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son, Of the living God. Thank you for listening.